1: This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, November 21st, the Sideline Struggles edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's 8, and Teddy, who's 6. We live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
2: I'm Zach Rosen. I am host of another show. It's called The Best Advice Show, and I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is five, and my youngest, Ami, is two.
0: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer and contributor to Slate's feeding parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's nine and a half, and we live in LA. Today, we're going to be talking about the challenge one dad is
1: facing regarding his son's unique approach to baseball. Does following the rules of the game really matter? But first, with Thanksgiving break looming, we wanted to talk about intentions for the week ahead spent with family, friends, and kids home from school. Who wants to go first?
2: Uh, I can go. So next week, we will be having Thanksgiving at my mom's house. And uh, at the same time, Shira's siblings are going to be in town from out of town. All of the grandparents are here in, in Detroit, in Metro Detroit. And I just realized today, if I want to, I can not work at least for, like, some of the holiday. And it was such a liberating thought to remember, like, oh, like, you don't have to work all the time. You don't have to put all this pressure on yourself. And so I just took some pressure off myself, and I'm feeling so much better about next week because I'm going to try to allow myself... I am, I'm telling you. I, I am going to allow myself to just, like, chill out and spend time with my family. And if you are able... I know that's a privilege, but um, if you're able to step away from work, um, it might open up some emotional space. That's that's kind of what it's done for me. I'm thinking like, okay, now that I don't have to work, at least for a good chunk of it, I want to like really, I've just been feeling so grateful lately. And I want to like really try to embody that for Thanksgiving. We, we've we talked about all the the kind of problematic themes and and history around Thanksgiving, but which we can also talk about with, with our families, but like just the simple thing, which my family does some years, but then like sometimes we forget, just the simple thing of like going around the table and everyone just saying like one thing they're grateful for. Like I wanna really do that and like be intentional about it. Um, Cause it's always such a nice way to, to start the meal. And it's so easy just to, to not do that. So I just wanna like slow down and be explicit about my gratitude. Those are my intentions.
1: That's so nice. (laughs) Okay, Jamila, you get to follow that up.
0: (laughs) Well, Naeem and I are going to New York for the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, We'll be there all week. We get there on Monday. And my mom is going to join us on Wednesday. We usually do Thanksgiving in Chicago. But since we weren't going, I thought, you know, it'd be nice for her to come spend some time with us. I still don't know what we're doing for Thanksgiving dinner. I really want one of my friends to host. I've been trying to lean on him like, so Thanksgiving, but I don't know. We may end up going out to dinner, but you know, um, as much work as I have to do, and I really, this is not a great time to have to take off a week of work, especially since this week. Like, there's parent teacher conferences and school gets out early every day. And so, my schedule is just kind of like whack. And Naima's home sick from school today. So, not a big week of work before Thanksgiving. And then the week of Thanksgiving just won't be a work week. But I'm just going to forgive myself for that in advance and try my best to just enjoy being present with my family. Naeem and I miss New York tremendously. So, it'll be really great to get back and see friends and, you know, sites and things that we love. And I'm very thankful that we were able to do that this year.
2: I love that idea of like, okay, maybe we'll just go out to dinner, like taking some of the pressure off the meal, because I think we sometimes just put too much pressure on the meal. Like, I think that would be like a fun novel way to spend the holiday. So that sounds fun.
0: Yeah, one of our best Thanksgivings, we went to Chicago to visit my mom. And we ended up I, and her birthday i think fell on thanksgiving that year and we went out to dinner instead of cooking we have a big family in chicago but they don't really celebrate thanksgiving and so it's like usually like what are we going to do you know like what's the point of like cooking all this food if there's just going to be a couple of us you know so yeah going out to dinner makes it easy it, it you eat it it's done it's over it's not Three days of leftovers and two days of cooking. I think if I were in L.A., I would probably be opting for dinner elsewhere. I mean, what you spend buying all the food, you know, you could go out to eat. So true. Uh,
1: My intention is to say no to the majority of (laughs) invitations. Just because we have been on the go so much and the kids really expressed an interest of just kind of like being home for a little bit which I completely get and I'm feeling that too so we have just like said no even to dinner invitations here and I I think the plan is to have Thanksgiving dinner with a very close friend that's just like pop by they're already having a lot of people over we can eat there and then leave so no expectations you know (laughs) we're like in charge of something simple Um, and then just kind of be home, maybe watch some movies together, like, things that we don't do a lot of, like, rest together as a family. We tend to be very, like, active. And even just, like, we literally got home from our trip on Our most recent trip on Monday, (laughs) I was like looking at things thinking like, oh, well, this, the North Pole here, it just opened their tickets, like, which is a little amusement park. Like, do we want to go to that? You know, and Jeff was like, no, no, we're just going to say no and kind of like be here. And if we're bored and want to go out, there's so much we can do right here. You know, just like going for a walk, trying to get back to kind of some of those simpler, easier things, just giving the kids lots of time to be in in our house and like us spending time together. And I think also for me, I have this tendency to think of holidays as like a time in which we can quote unquote, catch up with homeschool. (laughs) Like, oh, we're gonna be home. We can get all this homeschool stuff done and just releasing myself from that pressure too of like well no it's okay for us to take a break even though we're all home i've been saving up a bunch of the subscription boxes we get because the kids love those and just planning to be like pick what you want and just do it it doesn't matter if it's you know topically relevant and and things that i usually try to like say like oh this will be perfect for this unit like um they sit in the closet waiting for that and the kids really want to do them like trying to say yes to some of those those things um that i That i typically try to i guess control more so just having like a very my intention is to hopefully just have a very relaxed at home together as a family um no burdens no major cooking no you know that we don't want to do i'm sure jeff will bake up a bunch of stuff because that's what he likes to do but yum well listeners we would love to hear your intentions for this week as well so you can send them to us by recording a voice memo or send us an email to mom and dad at slate.com we're gonna take a break and when we come back we'll be joined by a special guest We're back and joined by author Travis Nichols, who wrote this wonderful piece in Slate, My Epic Struggle to Get My Son to Swing at One Single Youth Baseball Pitch. Even though fall ball has pretty much wrapped up, the struggle Travis talks about certainly isn't limited to baseball. Welcome to the show, Travis.
3: Thank you so much.
1: So you wrote this piece, My Epic Struggle to Get My Son to Swing at One Single Youth Baseball Pitch During Your Son's Youth Baseball Season, that didn't exactly go as planned. So Travis, can you fill us in on what happened?
3: Sure. Yeah. So my uh, son is 11 years old, and he really enjoys baseball, loves playing. We live in Metro Atlanta and Metro Atlanta has a lot of youth baseball programs, youth sports programs. We originally started right after COVID playing and that's a separate story. We ended up now over here in what I had hoped was like a low key, more low key environment. Um, away from some of the, you know, multi-million dollar high pressure situations. Uh, and he's really enjoyed it, but he started kids pitch, which is a little different. And his uh, approach has been to not swing ever. And so, you know, how baseball works, which is that, you know, you get four balls as a walk, three strikes is an out. And so he's figured out that these kids... Um, can't pitch well enough to usually get uh three strikes. So the season is now over. It wasn't when I was writing the piece, but he ended up having something like 32 at bats, 29 walks, three strikeouts and uh you know, really this kind of like avant-garde performance piece in the middle of this, uh, that drove his coach insane. And some of the other parents. So even in this like low-key situation, there was his coach who was ex-marine, would sit there on the third base side, just like writhing in the dirt, yelling, You gotta swing, you gotta swing. I think one one of the things is interesting about it is it's like you can't get your kids to do anything. And he just wasn't gonna do it. And the coach would be like why doesn't he swing and I was like you got to ask him I don't know despite having
2: like the highest on-base percentage of all time
3: yes it was not the the coach is really nice guy he's good at a, a lot of things this was not something where he saw the the data driven approach that my son was taking he was just like he wants people to look like ball players and do these different things and he just could not understand why someone would go up there and and not swing so he would get on base and he would he knows the game and is smart about it. So he would steal second, steal third, usually score. So he scored some ungodly number of runs without ever swinging or getting a hit. And so it was just this thing that had me thinking about, yeah, when your kids enter into these types of systems out in the world and they take these bizarro stances and how strategy and anxiety meet in in these moments, I just thought it was fascinating and also couldn't, stop thinking about it and agonizing over how what I would do to try to get him to uh, participate uh, in the way that the system wanted him to. And he stuck to his guns.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I read it and thought, like, gosh, he's almost playing a different game than they're playing. Like, there's this performative aspect to baseball that makes it fun to watch. And he's not playing that game. He's playing the game, how many times can I get on base, right? He's playing the numbers game, and he's winning that game. <laughs> But but you're right, like the system wants you to play the other game.
3: <laughs> right. Well, it depends on which system. I mean, that's what was so interesting is that he was like, I don't understand, you know, the coach is having me bat last and he wouldn't play him in the field sometimes because he was so frustrated with him. And he was, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a good player. No scouts coming to check him out or anything, but he knows what he's doing. But he was like, he should bat, bat me first because I can get on base and I can do these different things. I tried to not directly criticize any of the the coaches or the system, I ended up getting pulled in or pushed myself into the coaching situation because it's uh, again, watching, I'm sure you all have some familiarity with this, but like watching coaches or teachers and they do things and you're like, I don't need the system to be set up for my kid in particular to thrive, but I cannot handle watching it approached in this way that it's like, no one is thriving. You might know the sport, but you don't know kids. Can I please just intervene a tiny bit? And then that ended up uh, pulling me into helping out coaching.
0: So how does your son feel about playing baseball? Like, is this significant to him? Does it matter a lot? Does he really want to do this?
3: It's very hard to tell. He loves it. And the concept of it, he watches baseball, he plays MLB The Show. He's out in the yard hitting wiffle balls and doing imaginary games. But I always have been like, you don't have to. If you don't want to, it's totally fine. Again, when we first started, my wife and I had had a policy of like an explicit no baseball policy because baseball parents are insane uh, and too intense. And we were like, no, especially here. So he did a number of other things, but then COVID happened and he couldn't do the indoor sports that he had been doing or the indoor anything. And there was a program that started up nearby that we could walk to. And I was like, okay, we can do this. This is outdoors. Um, And it was pretty masked up even then. So I, I think this is, you know, summer of 2020. And he was so excited, loved it. And now I realize a little bit of the scam of some of the travel youth baseball things. Um, but he was like on the all-star team and got into then these wider things where you pay to play. And then there are professional athletes, kids playing and his team got killed, his team being my team because I was coaching. And he would go in after those games, we would be in the car and he'd be crying. He's like, I thought you said this was supposed to be fun. So that he did not like. And so I was, I was like, okay, you know, we don't have to do this. By any means. But then he wanted to find a different league to play in that was a little less intense, even though he liked his friends. And this one has been great for that. I mean, the kids are all awesome. Um, and he has good friends. Finding this one, we do have to drive half an hour and sometimes 45 minutes to get to this less intense one because the ones near us are all too much. So it's three or four times a week.
0: Sorry, you said he's made great friends. What do they say about his approach to the game?
3: They don't care at all. Like they're, no one said anything. They were always just psyched that he would get on base and steal and score. So he's the only one that does it. Yeah. And so it's interesting. So like in practice, um, he, he can hit again, he's not like crushing it out of the ballpark or anything, but he can hit. So everybody knows he can do it. And then there's some kids who step up and they just, it's their first time playing and not as coordinated or other things, but they're just going up there and taking rips, like they're just going to do it. And so then they'll, you know, hit a little dinky grounder and get thrown out. But then everybody, you know, they're very supportive, but right. So no one was like in the dugout, none of the other kids, but the coaches and some of the other parents definitely were in a particular kind of agony watching it because it wasn't what you're supposed to do. You know, it wasn't what this, the system had been set up
1: isn't maybe that's okay? Like, isn't this maybe a demonstration of him doing what he thinks is best? Because in one case that you talk about in the article, like, you take this video to show him that it is not a ball. And it is, in fact, a ball. Like, he's able to see these pitches pretty well. So on some level, is it worth it just saying, I'm going to let Peer pressure, society, whatever, the theoretical rules of this game that we swing these pitches take its course. And if he doesn't want to do that and doesn't give in to the pressure, good for him. And if he does, then that is okay too. You know what I mean? Like letting him because I think in some way this is a bigger problem picture about kind of what society is like at what point am I going to decide yeah I'm going to play the game to play the game or I'm just not going to do it I think a little bit we need more people that say I don't really care what you say these are balls and I'm not (laughs) going to swing at them
3: this all sounds great and theoretically I would approach every driving him to the games I would be like Travis just chill out let him do his thing he's got it and don't say a word And he'll have to decide on his own. And then he'd get up there and my heart would be in my throat. And I would be like, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? I I came around towards the end of the season, uh, especially as some of the other adults got more vocal about it, where I was like, actually, I kind of hope he doesn't do it. I hope he just sticks to his guns and just is like, you know what? I'm going to go the whole season and not do it. But I do think it's the other thing of like, you know... um, if you're one of the things my wife and I talked about is like if you observe your kid in a math class and it's not going all that well, you don't say, "I'm going to be the math teacher," or I'm going to sit over his shoulder and say, "You should do it this way or that way." Sports, for whatever reason is a little different, or maybe it's not, and maybe it's a personal problem for me. but it it, it is one of those where it is like you can't these kinds of coaches, these kind of situations exist in the world. And so if you're putting your kid out there, they do have to learn how to deal with it. It's very hard, though.
2: I'm curious, you write that your son idolizes people like Elon Musk, and that he sees he likes the idea that the world's problems are waiting for some new ingenious data driven solutions from unlikely thinkers. So when he is there, idolizing Elon Musk, how does that make you feel? I'm, I'm just genuinely curious.
3: Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Because there's a masculinity problem there. It makes me recognize that like Elon Musk is the perfect kind of cartoon hero for an 11-year-old boy of a, a certain kind. And like the other kids were talking about basketball and they were talking about the other, like the players they really admired. And one of the kids just loved Kyrie Irving. It's like He's got that handle and all these different things. And I was like, oh, fascinating. Like, this is just so interesting.
0: This is terrifying. Kyrie Irving?
3: (laughs) That's another word for it, yes.
0: Oh, no. Kyrie Irving is, like, spreading conspiracy theories online. There's such an... Before
3: that, I will say it's before the recent meltdown, but it was still, uh, you know, it wasn't hard to see that that's where it was headed.
0: Yeah. There's a strong Elon to end pipeline. For sure.
3: Which is the worry, of course. You know, I think for boys in particular. And one of the things is seeing the dads involved in baseball. And one of the reasons we had the no baseball policy is because, especially in Metro Atlanta, and especially when we were first looking at it, there was a lot of people whose politics were not our politics and who not only politics, but also their values seemed to not be our values. And it would be something where we would see that demonstrated and also see it in other ways that kids would be involved in different things and just be like oh god we have to do proactive like if we let things just take their course how they will take their course is to uh you know push push kids towards like the inertia is towards the elon musks and the Kyrie Irvings of the world especially with online participation with uh gaming you know we try to keep screen time, but also the level of social participation in gaming stuff at a minimum. But you just see it just over and over again, where you're like, oh, man, if you don't intervene uh, or don't proactively take some measures to at least get them aware of where their boys are being pushed by even well-meaning systems, it's pretty scary. I mean, Jamila, terrifying is the right word.
1: I absolutely agree. I think one of the things, though, is offering to me, instead of being worried about whether he hits the ball, right, the thing to be talking about are sort of these ideas of like, yes, there are, because I don't think there's anything wrong with the idea of being an out-of-the-box thinker to solve the problem, right? The problem is kind of where you take that to. And so I wonder if for this particular hitting the ball situation, what you need to be checking in on is more like, About the teammates and the friendship and the, like, do you feel like you're being a good member of the team? If that answer is yes, then this is a fine solution, right? But the moment that that becomes a no for him, he needs to change his behavior. Not because of the winning or the whatever, but because the value you're trying to instill here by having him participate on a baseball team is being part of a team and what does that mean and look like maybe just shifting your focus to say like am I teaching him to be a good team player maybe that doesn't look like what I think it looks like but is he maintaining these good relationships and is he checking in with his teammates
3: yes I, and I I will say that you know outside of baseball it was you know one of the things to talk about in the piece too is that he um, you know is trying to do his math homework and it, we got a test back, and he had missed a missed a problem, and it, and it, it was like, hey, what happened here? And he was like, oh, I kn- I know how to do it. I just got the wrong answer. It's like fascinating. Okay, so here's how this works: if you get the wrong answer, that means you don't know how to do it in this instance. And he's like, no, 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 I just put the wrong numbers down. And I was like, okay, where where do I begin here? Like, how do we get into this? Like. And so I did the Bill Parcells line, which is like, you are what your record says you are. And he, the look on his face was just like, that's so unfair. Like that makes no sense at all because I'm whatever this test is. What if there's a glitch? And he went through all these different ideas of how the test could go wrong, all the different ways the computer could mess up, that the teacher could get something wrong. And it would have nothing to do with who he is essentially as a person. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. That, That could be true. But also you, you did miss the problem.
0: You know what? My daughter took great offense to the idea of a test telling her that she hadn't tried hard enough and that she didn't know things. And I think it's such an interesting attitude that might be common among younger kids that, like, I mean, something that we've been trying to instill in them, right? That, like, tests are not a reflection of who you are. Right.
3: right. A test measures your ability to take the test. And yes, but then, it, yeah, the boomerang coming back around where you're like, well, but I do want you to actually get the right answer when you know it. Sure.
1: Well, it's still a gate. We talk about that because we don't do tests or things like that. So we talk a lot about how sometimes you you are forced to demonstrate knowledge because it's a societal gate. And we are not outside of that society. <laughs> like, like I want to still participate in these things that they offer. And, and these gates exist and we have to participate in them. Um, or if we don't, there are consequences to that, right? I mean, I th- I think that's kind of what we're saying is what are the consequences to not participating in this gate? I think swinging at the baseball is is a... Low gate, it seems like at this point, like low consequence to not participating. Um, The math test, higher gate.
3: Yeah, well, and I think this is where the the Elon Musk and the Kyrie Irving come, come in, because it's like, these are people who are like, I don't have to go through your gates. I'm going to say no. And that to an 11 year old boy, he's like, yeah, why would I have to? I mean, this is this is dumb like this test is dumb, this umpire is dumb, so I shouldn't have to do it. Some of that is probably uh, reflecting my own values back to me in this uh, funhouse mirror and this distorted sad trombone that I have to listen to now. But it is like, oh yes, it is important to show that even if it's dumb. Even if it doesn't seem like it has value, you want to do it so you can get where you need to go. But if you decide no, then okay. But then there will be consequences for it. You can't opt out and not have consequences. If we could all learn that lesson, that would really be something. I feel like I also (laughs) could could use that lesson. And many people did say, isn't it supposed to be fun?
1: Well, Travis, thank you so much for joining us. We, of course, are going to link to Travis's article, My Epic Struggle to Get My Son to Swing at One Single Youth Baseball Pitch, in the show notes, and you can head to Slate.com to give it a read. Any chance you'd be up for sticking around for recommendations?
3: Absolutely. I'd love to.
1: Great. We'll do that right after our last break. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and
0: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions supply.
1: Nickelodeon's got your preschoolers covered from sunrise to bedtime with four brand new podcasts. Grab their backpack and go on a culinary quest with Dora's Recipe for Adventure. Make game time great time with Let's Guess Who with Josh and Blue. And tuck in for adventure with Nickelodeon's Good Night Bedtime Stories. Plus, we've got a brand new season of Storytime with Josh and Blue. Search Nickelodeon on your favorite podcast app to listen. It's finally time for recommendations, the part of the show where we shout things out that we love. Travis, as our guest, what would you like to recommend?
3: The first thing I'd like to recommend, because I'm here in uh, Georgia, in metro Atlanta, is for people to vote in the runoffs. turns out that it doesn't seem like we're now in the same way we were with Ossoff and Warnock, uh, if you are Democrats. but it still is consequential. And so I'm really hoping everybody's able to get out and and do their part if they uh, are so inclined. So that's a big recommendation. Go vote.
1: Zach, what are you recommending?
2: Well, it just got cold here in Detroit. And so today is the first day uh, of many days ahead of me in which I will be wearing my long underwear. And I love long underwear. Um, particularly, like there's some there's some thermal underwear that's like so thick that, if you wear that with pants over, you're too hot in your house. But I, I get this this thin kind. Um, it's Wolverine brand. I, I bought it at like my local Meyer. It's pretty affordable. Um, so it's kind of like leggings. And so I'm going to be wearing these most days of the winter, and it makes winter bearable and cozy. And if you haven't invested in in long underwear, I suggest you do. It's similar to like making an investment in good socks for the winter. It makes a world of difference and like, you know, spending twenty to forty dollars or something um on mm-hmm. something like this is, is just gonna be so so helpful to you and both thermal underwear and, and nice socks are going to last you for some time. So treat yourself to some seasonal coziness.
1: I love this. I am a big <laughs> I love some thermal underwear, <laughs> like just the coziness. I always feel like it should be credited for the the like time we spend outside in the winter because I feel like without it i'd be I'd want to be out of the park in, you know, like eight minutes <laughs> after we get out of the car, like I'm done here. Uh, but I'm like, no, I'm cozy. Jamila, what are you recommending?
0: I am recommending, you know, I've been on my baking thing for a while lately. I found another amazing chocolate cake recipe. This is a chocolate banana cake recipe from Joy of Baking. Um, And it is so good. This is one of my favorite chocolate cakes that I've, ever definitely that I've ever made maybe one of the best ones that I've had it's just so moist like you can taste the bananas but I don't think of it as overwhelming if you're not a big banana person and it has this really great ganache icing that is so easy to make um I've definitely had a hard time making ganache before like trying to melt down the chocolate and not going well uh And it's just so good. Joy of Baking is a cooking website that's been around for like 25 years. I think it's a husband and wife that bake and take pictures of their baking. And it's just really, really, really good.
2: This reminds me. So, you know, we always return to the mom and dad cookbook that we're going to make, right? And I think as we refine our concept for the cookbook, it could be like, it's not just our recipes, but we can talk to other um, parents about what they make that their kid actually eats, you know? So, maybe it could be something like that where it's kind of part interview, part, um, you know, Trojan horse meals for, for families. So, so, publishers, we're here. We got the concept,
3: I had a great conversation once with uh, a friend of mine who's a food critic, and he has kids that are the same age as mine. And as we were talking, I was like, oh, so your kids must, and before I even got the sentence out, he was like, nope, nope, they won't even eat the same chicken nuggets they ate last week. It just gets reduced. The palate is is so small. And I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, I feel better.
1: It's not you. It's them. <laughs> it's the children. And my,
3: eh, it's a little bit me, but that's Okay. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm recommending um, an Instagram account, Andrea Nelson Art. She's this joyful woman who does art. She seems like the kind of person I would want to be friends with. But the reason I'm recommending it is she's doing 30 days of handmade holiday crafts. They are all so very doable. She tells you what, you know, you probably have at home and if you don't, like, where to go get it. Um, And what I love is that all the stuff she's doing is really editable for any holiday any celebration, like you can pocket these for summer break or for other times you have your kids home. We like to do a lot of crafts, but we just did this one she recommended where we painted spoon handles, like those fancy ones that look kind of dipped. Well, we did them at home and the kids used kind of finger painting. They turned out super cute. I didn't know there was like a Mod Podge type thing you can use to make it dishwasher safe, but we tried it out and sure enough, they wash up just fine. I ran it through, just had it sitting in there running a bunch of cycles to see if it would actually come off. And it's great. And I think they're going to make really cute um gifts for people you know to just put a little wooden spoon and she told me where to get you know a set of three for just a few bucks and so it's great so go check that out lots of fun activity ideas that's it for our show we don't have a show on thursday but we'll be back in your feeds bright and early on monday the best way to not miss a show is to subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts then our episodes will just pop up no further work this episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Christy Taiwo Macanjula and Rosemary Belson. For Travis Nichols, Jamila Lemieux, and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening.
2: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs>